Hey there, welcome to the Healthy Vibes Podcast. Today, guys, I have a conversation, interview, talk with a dear friend of mine, Jenny Spuler, and I pray and hope that you will tune into the entire episode because it was just so good. She is filled with encouragement for all of us, especially us moms during this time. She just gave so many good, just good words of encouragement, good tips for our kids during this time, when we question God during this time, and just with life and challenges and just a lot of good stuff. And as moms, I hope that you enjoy this episode. So please, please stick with us till the end and grab your cup of coffee and enjoy. Thanks for being here. All right. Hey, Jenny, welcome to the podcast and thank you for being here with me. I'm so glad you're here. Well, yes, I'm so glad to be here and it's just so good to hear your voice and I'm so grateful for this time to reconnect after many years of not living in the same city. Um, I know. It's wonderful to get to have this conversation. I know. I would say I'm excited personally just because it was such a good opportunity to actually talk to you. You know, it's hard to reconnect with people, but um I was really excited that we're able to make this happen because you have so many, you're just such an encouraging person and you always were to me and so many people I know. We all, we all still miss you here in our little town. Um, Mm -hmm. But I really appreciate you giving me time. And I know that I can't even do you justice in um, giving the background about you. So I want you to tell me and my listeners a little bit just about yourself, the Spuler life. (laughs) Um, because I love following along with the Spuler life Um, and your role in the church, because that's, I know, a big part of um, you and Jonathan, your husband, and what you guys have done over the years. So I'll let you tell a little bit about yourself to start here. Sure. You know, it's so funny to try to answer that question, you know, to to try to define yourself. But I guess my current situation um, is I've, Jonathan and I've been married for 23 years. And when we married, you know, neither one of us had any intentions of going into ministry. We both loved the Lord, loved the local church. But I I think it was on our second or third date, I asked him the question, you do not want to be a pastor, right? And and he (laughs) said, oh, definitely not. And I'm like, okay, good. Like, we got to get that out of the way up front. And so long story short, um, after two years of marriage, you know, we just couldn't shake it that we knew God was calling us into something more, you know, not just serving in our local church, but, but really laying down everything and just giving our lives to ministry. And so we've been in full-time ministry for almost 21 years. Um, and we have five kids and our oldest is a senior in high school. So all these things define the season that we're in. Um, But our beautiful kids, uh, we have an 18-year-old, well, almost 18-year-old, 15-year-old twins who are 13, and baby Gage, who you remember, because we were doing life together when I was going through that pregnancy, he is 10 years old. And so it's crazy. And so, um, you know, we have now been in, uh, on the Gulf Coast of Alabama for over nine years. Um, and I, my husband and I both have been working um, with an incredible church called City Hope Church. It's a multi-site church with locations across um, Mobile and Baldwin counties. That's the two counties on either side of Mobile Bay. Um, 
down on the Gulf Coast. And so if we're not involved in something at church, we are traveling every weekend for soccer um, because our boys play um, just really competitive soccer regionally. So that that's really everything in a nutshell at the moment is if it's not ministry or soccer or family, um, it's hard to find time for anything else right now. So that's a lot in itself though. It really is. And I think that's exciting. I did not know that story. I don't believe about that conversation that you said you do not want to be a pastor. I don't think I knew that, which is such a, a turn to what I know of you guys and how I came to know you guys. So well, I've only said I never a few times, and I said I would never marry a pastor. Um, I would never move back to Alabama. Um, this is where I was born and raised, and I left when I was 17, and I was gone almost 20 years. So I would never marry a pastor, and I would um, never move to Alabama. And the last thing I said is I would never have a dog, and we, we have a dog. And so I'm learning oh. to just keep my mouth shut and just be ready to do whatever it is God asks me to do. I sure so. love that. I didn't know <laughs> any of those things. And that's, um, that right there is encouraging because how many of us do do, do say nevers and right. look at that. You love the dog. What kind of dog is it? Yes. He's a cutie pie. Um, so it's been the prayer of Emma's for as long as she could talk. My 13 year old daughter that that she was just born to love animals. And so um, literally this dog was given to us a year ago. I said no three times. (laughs) And and then my mother-in-law gave me a precious correction of kind of opening my mind and my heart to letting Emma's dream come true. Um, But he's a little itty bitty schnoodle. So he's part um, poodle, part schnauzer. Oh my gosh. He's a cutie pie. Too cute. Well, Emma, with all those boys, because all the rest of your kids are boys. I don't think you yeah. said that. I'm not well, sure at the beginning. Okay. but Four boys, one girl. She should get that puppy, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I grew up with just two brothers, and I feel like I should have got a puppy growing up. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. she's got four. Exactly. Oh, that's a good story. Um, well, I know that you've done work in the past, and I know you still do, um, and probably just in, in, I say work, but just in general of how you live your life. I feel like encouraging and helping moms along the way, because even the person I knew here, I feel like that was such a time for all of us with little people and new mothers, and I just feel like we were all kind of just winging it and getting, yeah. you know, getting yeah. by and surviving. And it was such a good little mom group that we knew in those preschool days of first time dropping kids off. And, mm-hmm. but I know when I look at the city life and things I've seen in your posts, what, is there something specific you do with moms and with everything going on right now? And I don't even think I need to say in the world, there's so many things. How would you encourage moms um, just in general? during this time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a heavy season. And, um, mm-hmm. and I think moms in general typically carry the emotional weight of whatever is happening at home, you know, mm-hmm. w- with your spouse, with your spouse's work, with your work, what's going on with your kids, with grades or athletics or anything else, just normal season. You know, like, I just feel like God has graced us with this empathy to feel what our families feel. Um, right. and so during this season, I, I don't know a mom that just hasn't really just felt the heaviness of navigating the unknown, um, with their kids or with their spouse. And so, 
You know, I think that um, being on this side, I know we're not on the other side of things, but I think we're on the more hopeful end of um, things at the beginning. You know, I try to think back about what it felt like mid-March and early April and just the absolute panic and fear of, yes, illness, that was one thing. But for me as a mom, that that really is not where my my heart felt heavy for my kids. My heart felt ha- heavy as they were navigating loss, you know, right. their varsity soccer seasons getting canceled. Um, you know, uh, my my 13-year-old son, his middle school championship soccer week getting canceled, you know, mm. like everyone else, you know, everyone lost something. And right. I don't know if there's ever been such a collective season of grieving for young people, you know, for kids, for teenagers. And, um, I know just like initially, um, it, it just took me some time to kind of find my footing. It honestly took me some time to figure out that's even what we were navigating. Um, that it was everyone all at once was was processing loss. And so, um, you know, in loss, they're just, if, if we're not careful, they're, it's a slippery slope. Like it, we loss can lead us to hopelessness or lack of hope for the future or lack of faith or any of those things. And that's totally normal and natural. Um, and so just for moms, I know I'm kind of all over the place, but kind of just sharing for me, what I quickly realized is I had to be a voice of hope. I had to be a voice of hope. I had to speak hope constantly, not false hope, but, but true hope, you know, like to our son that was canceling his junior soccer season. He was named to the, you know, this huge honor in the state of Alabama. And he, he didn't even get to play that all-star game um, where the college recruits would have been just everything canceled, um, right. which then leads you to think, well, then my next steps might get canceled, right? Like the opportunities that could have come from that might get canceled. And we just quickly began to define how like in our family, in our home, we wanted to make sure our kids understood that absolutely nothing, not a virus, nothing can rob the purposes that God has for their life. Nothing. And so, yes, they may be discouraged, disappointed, exhausted, um, grieving. And as moms, we, we grieve with them. But I think right now, like as, as moms, um, which more moms are at home now more than ever with virtual school and remote work. And like, we've, we've got to be the voice of hope in our homes. And, um, you know, every home is every, every family, there's like a different structure. You know, I've, I've got dear friends where Um, mom works full time and and dad's home with kids, you know, so every family has their own structure that's unique to them. Um, I would say that if, if there's not someone in your home as the voice of hope, then, then that, that if if someone's listening to this podcast and, and they're like, wow, we don't, we don't have that voice in our home. Like then that voice is you, like God's called you. Um, my screensaver just went on. Can you still hear me? Yes, I can. Sorry. Um, no problem. So God's called you not by accident, but by intention to parent in this time, in this place, during this virus or whatever else we may be facing. It's not some big accidental oops that happened, you know. So I maybe didn't feel prepared for this season, 
but that doesn't mean God didn't call me to it. And so as I lean in and just trust him, I have to believe he's going to prepare me along the journey. I mean, no one, no one came knowingly prepared into this season because this has never happened right, in my lifetime. Right. And so um, I think it's a great reminder of how true our dependence on God really must be always. But in this season, there was, at least for me, there was no other option. Absolutely. And I love, you said you were all over, but you kind of hit several points I wanted you to hit because I I said many times during, first of all, I feel like sometimes it's easy as things progress to forget what's still weighing so heavy, especially on our kids, because I feel like those ages I watched and I just, you're right, like they needed the hope. And and I feel like what you just said is very encouraging because as a mom who can get I feel like we're all very tired. Like this has been going on. I talked to a mom yesterday, you know, and that's exactly what she was speaking of. You know, it's the, this, the, that, the mass, the, the, you know, this is canceling this, you know, everything, like nothing is consistent. Everything's changing and you're, and we're tired. Like you're tired. Exhausted. Absolutely exhausted. Yeah. You know, and and rest, I keep saying, you know, rest is so important, but also so hard, you know, for so many people for many reasons, but I love, what you just said, I think even in a time of feeling tired was very encouraging to be a voice of hope. Cause it's very empowering sometimes as a mom to say, you know, be frustrated with everyone in the house. Why is everyone like, you know, in such a bad place, but Hey, we, we can be that voice of hope for them. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes we're not being it cause it's easy to get caught up in all of it. So right, that is empowering to be that. So I love being the voice of hope. So when you talk to your kids, I love what you just said. Is there anything else that helped that you felt help your kids navigate right now? Because I think it is such a hard time. I think that, um, hopefully most parents are doing this, but you know, we all just need the reminder to just really have times where we're listening to our kids, you know, as a mom of four boys and one girl, you know, naturally, just say stereotypically, my boys don't tend to just overly share their emotions, you know? Right. Um, right. And especially when life's super busy, you know, it's a quick coming and going and how was your day? Good. You know, how was soccer? Great. You know, and then suddenly we were just all on top of each other for, gosh, was it six months, five months? And, mm-hmm. um, yes, frustrations were high. Everybody was loud. I was working full-time from home. I'm trying to get everybody off Fortnite so I can get the internet to work, you know. Um, but but really trying to make sure you have real conversations, you know, and like, how, how are you doing? Like helping them even understand how they're feeling. And I would say that we had some in-depth conversations that I never expected to get to have with my teenage boy. And it was just in allowing them to talk and not silencing them, you know, when they were to say not something negative or something that sounded um, like they were, you know, lacking hope. Um, You don't say, oh, you know, but don't feel that it's going to be fine. No, like what they feel is real letting them feel validated in what they feel. So encouragement is not correction necessarily, you know, because I've always, especially the six months, I've needed to give my kids permission to feel. Like permission to grieve is really what we said a lot 
the first few months is you have permission to grieve. And I would actually say it is essential that we are helping our children grieve so that like long-term, you know, as everything recovers, that they come out of this healthy um, and ready, you know, ready to engage, ready to believe again, right? Ready to plan and dream and, and all the things. Um, but part of being able to have new beginnings is recognizing where there's been loss and grieving. And so, you know, something that one of the kids said early on was, why, why would I even try, like, why would I even get excited about school starting? Why would I even get excited about a season starting? It's just going to get canceled again. Like, and so we were able to talk through that that was actually fear-based. He was scared of feeling the disappointment that he had just come through. And so he was terrified to get his hopes up again. And so that was understandable. You know, that was so validated yet. We needed to coach him through finding hope. And, and honestly for us, like hope has got to be more than just being happy and being encouraging. But the only hope we've really been able to, the only sure hope is helping our kids understand that like God has a purpose for their life. Like their identity is in him. And so even if the world is stripped away, like what we're left with is we're still who God says we are, you know? And so that's a lot to understand, even at our age. But to begin to try to grasp that at 10 and 13 and 15 and 17, um, prayerfully, it's the beginning of truly knowing who they are in Christ. You know, it's like when somebody goes through a job loss or a marriage has ended or something, you know, suddenly they don't know who they are. Um, right. Because their identity, what they knew of themselves has been stripped away. Well, I just feel like the entire world population collectively just went through that. You know, everything we thought we were came to a screeching halt as far as exactly. work or performance or anything else. And so I mean, in in my word, that's why there's this escalation in mental illness issues and anxiety disorders and suicides. And I mean, people are desperate for hope and desperate for identity. And so, gosh, my prayer and, you know, with us being in ministry, our prayer from day one has just been like that Jesus would be known in this time like never before, because that is the answer. So when I say like being the voice of hope, Um, To anyone listening to this, like, even when there appears to be no hope, you know, there is hope because Jesus is hope. Which, what you, with all you just said, makes me want to go in like several directions, but you touched on several points. Sorry. (laughs) No, no, it was perfect how you said it, because what you just ended on is so good. But what, what about that person right now? that is questioning God more than ever mm. in yeah. their lives or net or mm. had a hard time in the first place. Like, sure. What do you say to them to, to not let them completely walk away or still, you know, still believe that there could be hope, you know, that right. person, like some of us, I feel like, cause that was a lot of my prayers 
with my family was, I believe, you know, I just want us to keep getting closer to God during this time. Mm-hmm. You know, what's, you know, we went, you know, God and our family, let's not get lost in what's going on in the world. Let's not. But I know that there's people that might not have that person speaking to them or a mother that's, you know, yeah. at, at her wit's end right now. Like, what would you say to her? You know, I think that first of all, like, I think we sometimes think that when we um, question or doubt our faith, you know, where we question or doubt God's faithfulness, that we think that somehow disqualifies us, you know, like, um, we kind of take ourselves out of it rather than, it's almost like surrendering your faith before you really meant to, just because you mm-hmm. simply think because you have questions that you're already too far gone, you know? Right. And, that's good. Um, and I think that something that is, I, I, you know, God can handle our doubts, you know, like he can handle it. There, there's room, there's room for that. And so I think that the most important thing to do in a time when, you're questioning faith is first of all, try to understand why, like, why are you questioning faith? We're probably because of, um, some unmet expectations, you know, just disappointment or something you believed like, well, if God is good, then this wouldn't have happened. Like just somewhere in there, there's a disappointment. And, but, but I think too often we just get hurt or disappointed. We just, we just move on and let go. And we never really bring it to God. We never just give it to him. And say, like, I'm, I'm struggling with this. Like, this is kind of a mess and I don't understand it. And, um, it, there's no magic answer except that this faith journey, the older I'm getting, the more I realize how little I know. And that's not what I thought would happen (laughs) 10 years ago, (laughs) 15 years ago. I, I thought I'd get to a place where I would just feel so sure and like checked every box. And now I'm ready just to, I don't know, just live on this mountaintop. And I'm just like the older I get. It's so humbling that the more I know of God, the real, the more I realize, the less I know of God. Like I will never complete. It's not a course. I'm never going to complete um, this journey, like this faith journey is life long until the very last breath we breathe. Like there's no finish line and until eternity, you know? Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, like someone maybe tried to tell me that early on and I just didn't hear it because <laughs> I'm like, that's just not how I thought it worked. But um, it's crazy how the more you accept that the less you know, if, if that makes sense, makes, yes, it the makes more sense. secure you are in Christ. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, it's not math that makes sense on this earth, but I would just encourage the mom who feels, um, so maybe abandoned or p- betrayed because of all the loss and the hurt and, and just wonders like, where on earth is God in this? You know, why would he allow this to happen? And I just know, like, there's a lot I know and there's a lot I don't know, but I know God's heart towards us is good. I know that. Like, he is a good, good father. And yet I also know that we're on this side of heaven. Like, we live in a broken world. There is Mm -hmm. sin. There is heartache. There is disappointment. And so not everything that happens to me is a reflection from the heart of God. You know, sometimes 
it really is just the sin of man creating pain that God never intended. Right. And yet God is good. You know, he is still my provision. He is still my peace, even when everybody around me disappoints me. And so I would just encourage people not to think that their doubt um, disqualifies them. You know, take it to God. Take your doubt to God. He will not reject you. You know? That's so comforting. And I love that. I wrote that down. God can handle our doubts. I've never really thought about it that way. And that is that is so simply to say that just because you're doubting, there's it's okay. Yes. I, I, I like that. And it's and it's just like everything, you know, I always tell my kids, it's like you just said it, also you said don't silence your kids. You know, and yeah, I think that is so good for us parents at this time too. Yeah. Because it's okay for them to doubt. It's okay for them to question. It's okay. But if we if we don't keep our mouths closed, which you know, I believe all of what you're saying, and I can be the first to like talk <laughs> when they're trying to talk. And I've really been practicing trying so hard to just let them talk. Yeah. Regardless and not to like you just said, if they're um even if it's it's complaining, grouchy, questioning, whatever it is, yeah. let them voice what they're voicing. And yeah. that is that is so good for all of us to hear. Because I think sometimes we think like we're always supposed to be parenting. We always have to be teaching. We all, because it just happened to me yesterday with something um, my oldest said. And I began to explain something to him. And he said, oh, why did I even tell you? And Aww. I was like, no, 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 no. Back up, back up. I was right. I was not going to criticize you or judge you or yeah. I was just going to tell you something that I felt like could help you in this is what exactly. I was. Exactly. But I shouldn't have, I should have let him finish and not even. So that's so good to not silence them and let them yeah. have the permission to, to talk. Yes. And of course, you know, of course, within reason, you know, but but you think about like when you're sharing your heart with a friend and you don't really feel like they're listening. They're just coming in with ideas or suggestions or um, it's not always helpful. You know, sometimes genuinely what you need is just to be heard, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and really when people are trying to jump ahead of you and solve it for you, you feel like they're looking past maybe even your pain. They're just trying to fix it so you'll be quiet. At least that's how right. I feel. And so, you know, my mom was a counselor. And so something that she always would say to us is, you know, when we're sharing and expressing pain or whatever, is she just would always say, I'm so sorry you feel that way. And so it wasn't offering the solution, but it was just offering what I felt. And that was, I was seen, you know, that the way I felt mattered. And even sometimes I think in parenting, we may not be sorry for the consequence because maybe we're the ones bringing the consequence to our children. So we know that's a necessary part of the process, but we are sorry for how they feel. Right. We are sorry. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Just like you said in the very beginning, we carry all of that. And I think that's a hard part as a mom because we do carry all the emotional weight of everyone in the family. Yes. And I will say that, you know, like you, Kelly, I've got, friends that are homeschool moms. I have friends who are vice presidents. I have friends who are school teachers. I have friends who are pastors. I have, you know, I, I just have, it doesn't matter like what your path is for your family. 
I, I whether a mom is a homeschool mom or a corporate mom, I don't know a mom who does not carry the emotional weight of her home. Absolutely. There's not I a there's not a situation where I have ever seen someone feel exempt from that. You're right. And I think sometimes we think that that maybe, you know, people think because I'm consumed with this, I'm not consumed with that. But you're right. right. Yeah. It's 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 and we might just not voice it. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's good to know cuz some moms might think they are overly sensitive or overly emotional or holding on to too much. And that's such, it's just a, it's a mom, it's a mom thing. Like that is, is what we do. And, and, you know, and that's why we need God even more for our own self, for all that we're caring to give to him. Cause I feel like a lot of that, um, I've gone back to that movie, the war room so many times, but um, I'm sure you've seen that, right? Where, I haven't. Can you believe that? Oh my gosh, you have to. And I was the same until I had several people telling me and a friend of mine kept pushing me and pushing me. But it's it's really about giving your fights and giving your things to God. And, and it's about a marriage. But even with my kids, I go back to it and I think whatever it is I'm holding on to that day, it's, I feel like that is what I... I pray about God taking that over for me, whatever it is, you know, whatever the emotional that I can't change or, you know, but it really does help to give it up to him. Yes. So, so kind of along the same lines, but before we leave our kids, I want to know, like, do you have any suggestions? I feel like to moms as, um, especially as their kids are getting older to keep God in their kids' hearts. I feel like the Mm -hmm. older they get, you know, you, you have your daily routine or you, you know, you, God is in the conversation, the prayers, the whatever it is you're already doing in your life. But I do see it gets busier. And as one of my homeschooled is now, he's actually in school. Time is short. Yeah. And I said, I said it all along. I loved, I love homeschooling because I always felt I had so much time. Like we would stop whatever we were doing to have conversations about, whatever it was that was on our heart for the day. But do you have any suggestions as you get in the busyness of just keeping God so close in their hearts? I I feel like this first suggestion sounds so simple, but feel like it really needs to be heard right now. But um, is really making attending church as a family a priority. Um, That that there's a huge decline in church attendance, of course, because of COVID. Right. Um, there was a decline in church attendance before that. And now as churches are reopening, what a lot of churches are seeing is young families aren't coming back. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't believe you have to be in a physical building to have an encounter with God. That's not it at all. But it is there is something powerful about um, being in that gathering and and having your child just, it's not something you have to argue about. It's not something you have to discuss or decide each week. It's just established. And at least it is a message or an environment where you know they are um, receiving truth each week right? Out, outside of your voice. And so I think that's a really important thing is making sure there are environments where they're being taught by other people than just you. Um, because, you know, with teenagers, just the honest truth is you could say the same thing that the pastor's going to say and and they just hear it differently when it's from someone else. It's just how it is with teenagers. Um, And then I would say too, you know, every church does 
youth ministry differently. And so there's not one right way, but what I have really loved and valued about our youth ministry these last couple of years, now that I have four teenagers, um, is we have like a small group model and the kids, even though it's a large gathering, they always break up into small community, you know, and that having community, like having actual real friends who are also on this journey, um, is really important, you know, really important. Even if you don't have deep, even if teenagers don't have deep talks with these friends or anything else, they have to know they have safe people, you know, if they needed to talk. And so that's really important. And then I will be honest with social media, with having teenagers, I, I personally use that a lot. Like if I see a clip or something on Instagram, you know, I'll direct message it to all my kids, you know, and I won't even ask them about it. We, we don't, they don't even have to talk to me about it. Um, but I'll just send them things, drop them things. Um, if I, if they, if I know they're dealing with something, um, one of them was just dealing with a situation with a lot of gossip going on. And so I didn't, I didn't give too much advice, but I did send him like three U version plans um, that he could choose from. And I just said, Hey, I really think this would help you understand what's going on. Um, it would help you understand how important it is to not get involved in gossip and tearing others down. You know, right. um, I just try to give something practical, you know? Um, That's good. Yeah. I like that. All of those are good. Because I know with church, that's exactly how it is here. Because, uh, you know, they're taking reservations or there's right. mass or there's not, not so many. Yeah. Um, so it's harder. And then you add in the weekend sports, which, exactly. you know, which we love sports too. We have a family of sports as well. But sometimes I, I'm, I'm crazy in the sense of how it, it can really suck the life out of a family, even though you love sports it's because it's so much, you know. It's true. And I would say that, you know, prior to COVID, our church already had online experiences, but I would say now because of COVID, nearly every church has right. online availability. And so, you know, we're, we're as busy as the next family with sports and, and, the, and the boys and I are on the road a lot on Sundays, but we all know, like, if, if it is humanly possible, we're going to have it on in the car through the speakers. Um, so we can just be in sync, like with where church is at. We're going to be engaged with worship and we're going to hear the teaching and we might have to cut it short to get to the field on time, but you know, we're going to do our best. And I just feel like that discipline, we really sell short, sell it way short, um, how important just that discipline is to, to just model for our kids, just the value of attending and being part of a local church. It's probably one of the most life-giving things we could ever teach our children. That's good, Jenny. And I think you're speaking to a lot of people, including myself these days, just because it's hard to get back for all of the it reasons is. you said. But, it, I yeah. I, but you're right. And that that's, um, you're speaking the truth, and I love that. Now, yeah. let me ask you day-to-day, -day, like Monday through Friday, is there anything at all, because I know, like, you have five kids, different directions. Is there anything you do in your home that you feel like or not as much with everyone going different directions? You know, it's so interesting. The way Jonathan and I both grew up, we both grew up where it was like there was a set devotional time and a set 
family devotional time. And it was very, um, our parents were amazing and, and we, you know, we're so grateful for our upbringings, but I would say there was a little more rigidity to it, you know, a little more structure to it. And our lives are so crazy. You know, we've, we've gone back and forth and back and forth with it. And we have just felt for our kids and their personalities. We, we have felt like something super structured would be counterproductive. Um, right. Because, because of the age they're into when they were younger, oh my word, it was like reading Bible stories in bed every night and, Mm -hmm. you know, years and years of that. But, you know, I would love to crawl in bed and tuck in all the kids still, but that's not necessarily what happens. I fall asleep before I fall asleep before them. Um, but I would just say that, no, we don't have like necessarily a daily family rhythm. Um, but I would say also is it's a part of our conversations constantly. Like we really try that like God is in, is, is woven through our conversations. You know, if they're struggling with something, if whatever, you know, we're asking them, you know, have you prayed about that? Or how can we pray for you? You know, like that kind of dialogue, not, not real churchy and religious. I just mean like an honest, like lifting each other up, um, atmosphere. And I love that message because I feel that first off, I think a lot of us put so much pressure on ourselves. Like we're not getting the daily devotion. We're not doing, you know, exactly what you first described. It is okay to do your family, whatever works for your family. But I really like how you just said just in daily conversations. And Mm -hmm. I just think that's, it can be not intentional in families, but that's such a simple light go on because I even think sometimes I don't bring it up and after I think I should have just said, and it's just so good to think of it that way when you're having conversations to bring it up. So yeah. that, that that's a very simple, wonderful, and it, it yeah. could be, it might be an awkward thing or a hard one for someone to try if you're not in that routine with your kids and your family. Yeah. But I love the start today. Like yeah. when you start having conversations once you start it, it just gets more comfortable and they get used yeah. to it. And amazingly, like you said, you don't have to follow up or hammer it in, Yeah. but they will think of things that you've told yeah. them along the way. Like, so. Yeah. And I would say too, is that the more you um, are feeding yourself, you know, like the more as a mom that you are being encouraged and doing daily devotion and reading scripture, and it's just going to flow into your parenting. You know, it's Absolutely. going to be this very, very natural thing that happens, super organic. You know, I think sometimes when we're early in our walk with Christ or early in faith, we feel like, okay, I've got to read that. Okay. Now I've got to figure out how to say that, you know, or teach that to my kids, mm-hmm. but not to feel that pressure. I just think the more you sink into scripture, you know, the more you just sink and get saturated in the gospel for your own life, the natural thing that happens is it spills over and it affects the lives around you. And so I guess that's really, I guess I I didn't realize that's sort of been my parenting approach is I know I'm not the mom to my kids. If I am not literally just like drenched in the gospel, like if I'm not reading my Bible, um, my kids can tell. (laughs) Oh, Um, I mean, I'm not nice. I mean, I'm not, I'm going to be, more short tempered. I'm going to have less grace. Um, 
I'm not going to be great at forgiveness and keeping short account, you know, like, but it's just supernatural. It's not natural. It's just supernatural that when we're in scripture and we're just soaking it in for ourselves, that is, I think the greatest ministry to our children is because it's going to flow into conversations and situations organically. So true. And not beating yourself up because like you just said, we all fall off. And that's the thing. It's easy, no matter what we are doing most days or trying to do, we all fall off and don't beat yourself up. Just be aware. Cause I get the same when I'm short tempered and I can tell when I'm, and I'm like, okay, I need to get some rest and get back on track and get back into starting my day where I started in the word or in my devotion or prayer rather than, you know, just rushing into the busyness of the day. So so what about marriage, Jenny? <laughs> to shift the gears a little bit. Because, <laughs> okay. of course, in all of what you're describing, you know, in your, both of your backgrounds and conversations, any tips with everything going on? Because there's a lot of strain on marriages, I know. And marriage is yeah. hard anyways. And yeah. the busyness of this world, I feel like, and the way we're pulled. And then you add what's going on now with so many people um, home and in different routines and, and not getting their escape or the stress with work. Like just everything is so different. Yeah. Any goodness. I know. know, I just feel like there's like anything, but you know, I think marriage of course is probably the most pressure packed relationship that can exist, you know, on planet earth under normal circumstances. Right. And, um, I think the last six months, I know we've seen it here in our church, you know, there's just been a lot of crisis in marriage and, um, you know, I don't have all the reasons why I I do think sometimes it's because when we all came to a screeching halt and the pause and the silence, all of a sudden we had to pay attention to some unhealthy things that have probably been there a long time, but the activity kind of could keep us distracted from, Mm -hmm. um, And so it was just a lot at once to process, but so then you add financial strain or um, health issues or anything else, you know, it's just going to magnify whatever pressure is already there. You know, um, I almost wish I could go grab Jonathan and have him come talk for a minute because anytime I hear him talk about marriage, I've, I've actually never heard anyone talk about marriage the way Jonathan is able to. And the way he, he does a lot of premarital counseling and the way he talks about just the beautiful, the truly beautiful creation of marriage, you know, the most um, reflective, you know, it's the most godlike relationship on earth, you know, that union that he created between man and woman. And the way Jonathan talks about it, because he's like, we always tease, like, I'm a very black and white person, like, give me a list, I want to check off some things. He is like a romantic, you know, it's about setting the stage and the journey and the picture of how things should go. And so even how he talks scripturally about marriage and why it's so beautiful and important and worth fighting for, it's like you feel just kind of swoon into this, like, oh my goodness, yes, I want a healthy marriage, you know. Um, but it's true, like it's biblical, it's God-ordained. And so it there is nothing on earth that comes against more attacks than marriage. Because in a beautiful marriage where two become one and truly 
um, have the best interest of the other in mind and have a sacrificial love willing to lay down oneself to see the other flourish and vice versa. Um, like nothing, like nothing can come against that. Right. Right. And so my word, no wonder everything tries to come against it. And so, you know, I know just in this season of life, which maybe this is the season of those listening to this, you know, we've been married a couple decades and we're raising teenagers and we're trying to help them have their dreams come true. And, and, you know, it's just complicated. You know, it used to be just me and Jonathan. That was simple. Well, even though it's all good, it's super complex now. You know, there's all these people like in our home, (laughs) there's just so many. And we tease, like sometimes at night, like the noise in the kitchen is so loud. Like when everyone is talking and there's five conversations going on at once and I can't, I can't hear one person, you know, cause everyone's, we, we, we'll just kind of say under our breath to each other, like, oh, there's, we have so many kids. Like we, have, <laughs> there's so many of them. That's so um, funny. And, and yes, we love being parents. We feel called to be parents. We're so grateful God's entrusted us to launch these kids into all that God's called them to. But I think what gets fuzzy in marriage and family is we kind of shift what was our original calling and we sort of trade it for this other thing that developed and kids take the front seat and kids become priority and um, it's not the kid's fault. (laughs) You know, that's not what I'm saying. It's not a conflict created by the kids. It's a conflict in us that we cannot surrender our marriage um, for our kids. Because first of all, that's not giving them anything. That's not giving them one step ahead in life at all if we surrender marriage in order to somehow, we think, serve our kids better. Um, I, I believe the best thing we can give our kids, the best thing, if humanly possible, is to give them the picture of a healthy marriage in the home where they're being raised. Um, I think it's one of the greatest gifts that we can give kids. And you know, My husband and I are both in ministry. We love God and we still have challenges, you know? So having challenges in marriage doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. It just means my, my goodness, you're just living in community. (laughs) You know, it's like, um, especially during six months of COVID, you spend this much time in one place with people, every little thing's starting to get on your nerves, you know? And absolutely, that's normal. That's totally normal. Um, but I do think in this six-month period, a lot of people have realized, maybe for the first time, they've recognized there are some like roots of like some real unhealth in their marriage that they didn't know was there, just honestly didn't know. And so I'm a big believer in counseling, huge believer. I don't think you have to be in crisis to have counseling. I think we all can benefit from counseling, but um, finding a really good marriage counselor um, can be one of the best decisions you could ever make in your marriage. And if you don't know where to look and you don't know where to start, you know, go to your church and, and ask a pastor, you know, maybe, maybe meet with a pastor first on just, uh, and just talk through some things and then see where they can refer you. Because I think that too often it's, we can typically not see our situations as clearly as when we lay it out and have somebody else um, look at it and dissect it and analyze it with us. Um, 
that more clarity can come more quickly, I think, when you bring in that third party. And so it just takes what can seem like maybe a pressure cooker or um, what feels like a bomb that's about to explode. You know, you bring in that third person and you just begin to like um, deactivate it. You know, you begin to deactivate all that tension just very intentionally. Um, like I'm trying to find the word I'm thinking of, but you know, I keep thinking about like a bomb squad. Like, what are they called? What do you call that? Like they diffuse a right. bomb. Yes. Um, I, right. Yeah. Um, that's the picture I keep kind of getting in my mind is I think that's where a lot of marriages are. It's like, you feel like this bomb is ticking and you're terrified what's going to happen when it goes off, you know? Right. And, and the reason for that bomb ticking could be a million different things. It could be that one of you lost your job during COVID and you can't pay your bills. It could be that you somewhere along the way, you just stopped being friends and you stopped enjoying each other. You know, you just stopped. You completely forgot why you fell in love and got married. You know, it's just become this thing where you just have this roommate that you're just coexisting and barely tolerating each other. You know, we, we've had friends, um, who've had to navigate the loss of a child on unimaginable things, you know, so no matter what it is, any of those things can create this timer on this bomb. And I think bringing that counselor in, it's just bringing in someone trained that knows how to completely disarm it, but it's a process. It's a process, but I think that no one goes into marriage thinking, yeah, I'm okay. I'll just walk away someday. Like nobody goes into marriage. No. Good idea. Everyone goes into marriage because they're head over hills. They're in love and they have that romantic view of building a life together. And so it's, sometimes you have to go back to what that picture first was and do whatever it takes to get that picture back again. You know, and some of the things you said, like being the most pressure packed relationship you can have. And I, and I think that is so important for people to realize that when you're having all those challenges in marriage, these are, it's very natural to get to that place in this world because mm -hmm. of all the pressure. And you also said about the attacks. And I think that, that as well, it, it's nothing wrong with you, but you're right. Marriages, there's so many different things in the world that attack marriages without yes. you even realizing they're attacking your marriage and how to, I feel like it's that how you how do you change your perspective to say I'm going to quit quit fighting in my marriage and fight for my marriage like yeah. how do I switch that perspective and that you know yeah. I do I do go back to what we said earlier in that movie that you have to watch but the giving your fight to God and that's what that movie was about mm -hmm. was um you know giving it to God because that's that I feel like you know, I, not a lot of people open up about it, but how to get that friend of yours or that person that you know is in a bad place to say, like, you know, how to get them to begin fighting for it when they feel mm. so far or so under attack. Yeah. But counseling is such a good option. It is. It is. And then prayer. I mean, I, I have friends who have always dreamed and longed of, you know, their husband attending church with them. You know, maybe something as simple as that. Maybe their marriage is not in crisis, but maybe it doesn't feel as fulfilling as they hoped, you know. Mm -hmm. And just the precious, beautiful surrender of just praying. I mean, not, not manipulating, not guilt tripping, not... um 
you know, hanging guilt over your partner's head of all your unmet expectations. Um, but instead, just going to the Lord in prayer, you know, bringing it to God that you would trust God for your partner's um, change of heart or whatever's needed. Um, and that can almost sound like a place like where you feel like, well, that's just giving up. But it's really not. It's no. really not. It's realizing that you've come to the end of what you can do, but you believe God can do so much greater. And it's surprising what he can do. Yes. You, you, you know, letting, mm-hmm. letting you see what he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so before, cause I know we've been on for a while and I don't want to take your whole day, but just a few more things. So one of the things I wanted to ask you about, cause I talk a lot about, and I feel like the older we get and some people experience this younger, how life can be so hard and so beautiful at the same time. Yeah. And I think that sometimes we miss the beautiful because of the hard. We're consumed with the hard and we don't realize it's, it is okay to experience the beautiful when you're going through something bad or something yeah. bad's going on. Even right now, you yeah. know, some people are really, and it doesn't mean we don't have empathy. We don't help others, but I know when you were here and the time that we lived in the same town and we saw each other regularly and our lives were, you know, all happening here, you went through hard and, I remember thinking at the time, hard and beautiful, you Mm -hmm. know, losing your mom and having baby Gage, who I can't believe is 10. Mm -hmm. Is there something, I guess, how will you tell, how, how based on, I guess, what you went through and what you've gone through in life to, to let people know when they are in the middle of hard, how to help them see the beauty and the joy and see that even though we can be consumed and surrounded by hard right now. Um, you know, that was, that was definitely like such a dark season. Um, dark, just as in I had never suffered such loss, you know, I had never Mm -hmm. known that kind of pain, you know, and I don't think you ever become familiar with pain. I, I pray not, but for me, it was a very unknown place. Like I felt like, Someone had just picked me up and dropped me off out in some, you know, big, dark desert. And I didn't know, I just didn't know what was any, what any direction was, you know, it all, it all was a blur. And, um, and it was crazy because as you know, we already had four small kids and it was, it, my mom had been battling cancer for a, about four years, um, and it was the first day of preschool for our twins who were our babies. And I remember saying to someone that morning, it might've been to you, Kelly, I don't recall, but we dropped off our twins for their first day of preschool and everybody was making a big deal about it. Cause we now had four kids in school and we went home and took a pregnancy test. <laughs> and I remember saying to somebody yet yeah, we finally made it, but I think I might be pregnant. And, but it seemed too surreal. And it was just wild because I found out I was pregnant and my mom had been doing well. I wouldn't say she was in remission because at this time she was diagnosed, her cancer was very advanced, but, um, but she was doing very well. You know, um, she looked great, felt great. Um, and so it was the month that I found out I was pregnant, probably the very next month. Um, my mom suffered just some huge setbacks and, it literally, now I can say some of this in 
clarity with hindsight because because walking through it I had no clarity but um it was literally like as this life grew within me like as my belly grew we were simultaneously watching my mom's body die and we were literally walking literally walking through new life and death it's like it was in every moment it was like we were step in step and it was unbel- it was overwhelming i i just remember feeling like i couldn't breathe you know i felt like the air had been taken out of my lungs like and i would just say to god god why like i can't do this i literally would just shout that you know all four kids were at preschool and i would just shout in my house god i cannot do this i can't do this i cannot welcome a baby into the world and grieve my mother simultaneously. Like, why did you do this to me? I can't do this. And, um, you know, it was wild how it just continued was my baby Gage was born in April and, um, my mom was determined not to miss his birth and they lived eight hours away. And so, it was wild, but they somehow made it to Florida. Um, they wanted to be there for his birth. And I was terrified that she was going to pass away in our home, actually. And I remember I would call my best friend every night and I would say, please pray with me to, that, that she will make it through tonight. I don't know how my kids would process a new baby and losing my mom all in the same week. Like I remember literally calling a friend. I was that aware of how sick she was. Well, long story short, um, she ended up being hospitalized while they were there for Gage's birth, ended up having to go back home to be hospitalized and ended up passing away um, when he was four weeks old. And so um, it truly was experiencing this joy of new life and in the same breath, deepest grief I had ever known. And, um, I needed a lot of help. I I would say that um, I needed a lot of counsel. I needed lots of wise counsel. And some of my mom's friends stepped up without me asking and would call and just speak encouragement, um, speak affirmation over me as a mom, you know, Um, but then also just allow me to grieve as a daughter. Um, They were, they were like surrogates really, you know, in, in that moment. And I don't know that I have a secret like solution to it, except that I had to fully do both. I mean, I had to, you know, I, and it didn't make sense. I couldn't do it all in one breath, but I had to fully celebrate this life that um, God had gifted us with, you know, this unexpected, precious baby who was literally a gift from God. Like I would hold him in my arms and it was like, I just knew he was God's promise to me. Mm. Like it was just that reminder that even in the depth of what could have felt, felt like abandonment, you know, that not, I think sometimes in loss, what we feel is the abandonment of God. You know, why would God let that happen? Doesn't he see me? Doesn't he know I can't handle this, you know? And yet in that same breath, I'm holding this miracle and I couldn't deny 
like this promise from God. And so, and I feel like, you know, I wish I, I wish I was more of a Bible scholar and I could give all the answers as to why this is the case, but I feel often we, we do see that, you know, we see loss and we see beauty. We see hard and we see, we see beauty often in the same season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't know. I don't have all the answers as to why, like spiritually that is. Um, but I, I can say for me, you know, um, that it really allowed me hope, you know, that in my deepest grief, like God truly gave me something very tangible, literally a newborn in my arms that reminded me I had so much to live for. And although a huge part of me died, you know, the identity of being a daughter and she truly was, um, sorry. Oh, Jenny. Oh, Jenny. (laughs) I haven't gone there in a while, Kelly. I'm sorry. You can cut this part out though. I know. Um, I, I do think all of what you just said was so, so beautiful and the way and being so deep in your faith, the way you described how hard that time was, it's almost to me, like if you didn't have gauge, how hard, like God had to throw that beauty at yeah. you to see it, even though you yeah. had plenty of beauty, you already had four and yeah. Jonathan too, but yeah. because it's your mom and I remember you talking about your mom and just a, what a person yeah. I wish I had been able to know her more. Yeah. I think that God almost had to just really give you that beauty Yes, but for, for, for anyone that is in a dark time to, to find some type of beauty yeah. or know it's okay to embrace beauty or yes. joy or good or yes, there is, there, always there's hope. always a re yes, there's always hope and there's always a reason to, there's to keep going hope. on, to keep living on to, you know, it's interesting because my mom, um, she always would quote, and I can't remember if it was Rick Warren or if it was his wife. Um, but I want to say it was maybe from his book, The Purpose Driven Life. I can't remember, but my mom would always quote it. And so it was crazy when we were grieving her, how it was actually all these quotes she gave us all the time were like guiding me through. <laughs> I could hear her voice. Um, but it was about how, you know, we think of life as like we're either in a valley or we're on a mountain type m- mountaintop. But life's really like just one long road and there's there's like a ditch on either side and and we've got the good and we've got the bad and they're running along the same road, you know, and it's all like the journey is all one. And, you know, yes, it was a dark season, but I can't, I can't just go and classify it as that because I received one of the greatest gifts I've ever been given in that very season. And so I just feel like God everyone's story is different. Everyone's story is different, but we've all known brokenness and we've all known loss. And the thing is God can redeem anything. There is nothing so far gone gone that God can't redeem it. And so even though I felt hopeless, I wanted to give up. I honestly wanted to run away. Like the pain was suffocating. Um, you're right. Like God literally knew that I needed, like I, I needed something tangible, like that tangible hope 
you know, gauge in my arms as the reminder that I was going to make it. Like I could persevere. I could do hard things. I could navigate pain. Um, because he still had so much purpose in me, even if, not to minimize, but even if it, it, even if it was only to mother these five gifts he'd given me, Mm -hmm. that is all I ever did from that day forward. It would be a worthy, worthy calling. And, you know, you said in the beginning, and you were talking about your kids, but it just came back to me that nothing, nothing at all can rob God's purpose for your life. So, yes, God threw something at you, but regardless of where you are, what you're feeling, what anyone is feeling, don't miss what your purpose is or what God is throwing at you or what God is showing you. Yeah. Because you're so consumed with the hard or the challenge or the bad or the, because I think it's easy to become consumed with that. Um, with, them, you know, all in the world, being a mom, it's just, it's hard in this, these day and age parenting and, you know, let us still see the beauty, find the good, embrace the good and not feel guilty or ignored in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, I'm going to let you go soon, Jenny, but I do want to ask you, um, because I talk a lot in my blog, my podcast about self-care and it, and it comes in so many different forms and so many different things that we as moms can do for ourselves. Is there something that, that you would say self-care looks like for you or that you, you have to do in your life to make you, you know, feel good and feel okay each day? Well, this is probably the answer of most moms, but I finally accepted I have to wake up earlier (laughs) Um, because I just really am more at peace and I'm a better person when I have solitude and living in a house with seven of us, finding solitude is never going to happen ever, um, just accidentally. And so that's something I kind of accepted a couple years ago was that I was always just trying to sleep as long as I could because I was always so tired or whatever. And that it actually was so much better for me, for my soul, for my mental health, actually to go ahead and get up, have coffee, have a few minutes to read my Bible and just be able to take deep breaths, you know, slow, deep breaths, um, before the hurry of the day, um, would begin. Um, And then the other thing that I would say that I've been doing a little better at, and you would love this, is Mm -hmm. just getting outside and walking. Um, I've tried to do workout routines. I've tried to get to the gym. I've tried so many things. And during the season, I've just had to accept that like adding to my schedule, I'm not going to be able to really maintain it very well. Um, But what it does for my mental health to be outside rather than in a gym being outside and just walking, you know, four or five miles. And honestly, I don't even listen to podcasts. I just need to hear nature. You know, I need to just be able to breathe the air. I don't talk on the phone. Like that is more solitude, you know, where I can just talk to God just, um, and just be still, even though I'm moving, but you know what I mean? My, my, my emotions can be still. And so that's probably the only two things that I'm, I'm doing well, like keeping in good practice right now. Um, but that solitude, I don't think it matters your personality or your Enneagram or anything else that we all need at least 
you know, a few moments of solitude a day to just be able to process where we really are with things. I love, I love that you said that. And I love exactly how you said it. I I think that's my biggest push over the last year or so is exactly that. And I, and, and I try to tell a lot of people, you know, around me the same. And I think that has been the biggest help in my life as well. The exact two things you just said, the getting up earlier, like I love my morning time. And honestly with um, Luke, my oldest going to school now, this is a whole new season for me because I, I loved homeschooling and I never wanted to deny him to go to school and he wanted to go to high school. And, Mm -hmm. but I, my morning has changed, but I still, I have to, no matter how tired, get up and have a coffee. Yes. And myself and the walking too of, Mm -hmm. um, I've been walking more as well. And you, you need, we need it. We all need it for this craziness of the world, the busyness of our minds, the, all the different technologies. And I just think it's, our mental health needs the the silence. So yeah. thank you for that. That You're Jenny, welcome. tell us how that's working for you. So I just want to, um, is there anything else on your heart or you want to share that you feel like maybe we've missed or you're thinking about before I wrap yeah. you up and let you go about your day? I can, I can add this and you can just decide if it needs to be added, but you know, maybe just one last encouragement. Um, because I think we, we all need as much encouragement as possible right now. Oh, yes. And, you know, our word this last six months has just been grace. You know, like to everyone who feels overwhelmed, which is every person I know, like give yourself grace. And, you know, you may not be able to be as productive or efficient or any of the things you were prior. And prior meaning pre-COVID, you know, I, I think this time really is going to be like a generational defining event. You know, this is not Mm -hmm. something where everything just goes back. And so to just give grace to yourself and to others. Um, and I think that grace, you know, even as we talked about self-care, grace is even allowing those moments of self-care. Grace is allowing you to rethink your career. Grace is, you know, listening to your child that is asking to homeschool because maybe the anxiety of being in school with the masks and everything is too much. Grace is just holding on to things loosely and just allowing that space, that freedom, that grace, that rest for things to shift and change, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so that's where we're at right now. And I think it's the only way we're surviving. <laughs> Well, you said that all so beautifully. And I have to say, I feel blessed because you encouraged me today um, for sure. And I know that this will encourage so many moms because you're, you're just so calming, so practical, so real, authentic, which I love, but just always bringing us back to the Lord and how we're all going through so much similar things. Yeah. It's okay to just stop being so hard on yourself. Stop trying so hard. And, um, the fact that we just, you know, just spending more time in quiet and prayer and yeah, and listening and talking with your family. It's, it's the simple things of stop, right. you know, letting everything else attack you and control you. Absolutely. Okay, Jenny. I also really want to ask you um, just personally, I guess, if you're 
working on any certain projects or dreaming about something or, or just anything in the future with so much encouragement that you have to offer people? Oh, thank you, Kelly. Well, you know, it was interesting. Um, you know, I have a blog and I will just get really random, um, I guess, motivation or passion to blog. And it might be once a year. <laughs> um, it might be once a month, but just occasionally I get these just really deep inspirations to write. And so a couple of years ago, I just really felt like um, we were actually on a flight home from California. My husband was asleep. You know, I didn't have access to the internet. So I just feel like on a flight sometimes is my best time to be alone with God. And I felt like he just downloaded to me like the, the, the chapter titles of a book that I was supposed to write. And um, it was it was wild because I don't make decisions quickly. I'm one who can just over-process. And then literally, I like just opened a note in my phone. He gave me chapter titles, showed me what stories went in each chapter. And I landed and was so excited and encouraged. But, you know, I got really busy with life immediately, working full-time and raising kids. And so I'm really kind of in a, in a shift right now of laying down full-time work to prayerfully have some margin, have some space to write out those chapters, you know, write out those stories. I feel like I'm supposed to write. And, um, I don't have the name of the book yet. I do have a few chapters written, but my prayer would be that I can have that completed and published in 2021. And so, um, I don't know how to do that yet, <laughs> um, but I just trust that, you know, I just trust it will work out all in God's timing. Um, but the book, I, I just know that the root, the heart of the story is truly just about, it's just my story. And it's just the story of hope lost and then hope found. And, you know, Kelly, we, we were living in the same area and had our kids in preschool together when I went through that season of all the hope I'd ever known was just shattered. And, um, as I walked through that and we actually had to move away and, you know, my husband's work changed, but as I came out of that season, God just has really led me through like a 10 year journey of healing, you know, that as much as, as significant as the crisis was that I went through, um, if my faith shattered, then, what was it built on? You know, if, if crisis could destroy my faith, then I really needed to walk through what was the foundation of my faith. Um, and I really discovered for the first time that I was the foundation of my faith somewhere along the way. I'd believed that life was great because, you know, I deserved it or my works or my performance or, you know, and so when everything fell out, you know, the, just literally the ground underneath me just disappeared. I, I didn't have ground to stand on. I realized I had to rebuild the foundation of my faith on Christ. I never had intended not to. Um, but, oh, my goodness, it was just humbling to walk through the season of this good God I believed and I thought had completely abandoned me. And so I had to really, I really had to dig through and learn who is God really and who have I made him to be, you know, in my mind. And so anyway, all that to say that that is the desire of my heart is to really just write out um, how God restored my faith. You know, um, God became my hope. Um, 
and that there was no, there was nothing that could take that place. Not, there's no sure foundation. There is nothing that can replace um, that space in our lives that is going to be unfailing and constant. There is nothing but the hope and the faithfulness of God, you know. Um, Goodness. So, so, that, <laughs> so, so that's my heart. So so I've, I've had to put that on a shelf for a few years, and I just don't feel like I can anymore. I have to write it. I have got to have some space in, you know, where I'm not feeling so stressed and so pressured in all these other areas of life. I've got to have some margin so I can just really journey that through and write it out um, and prayerfully just share hope with others. So, um, so first of all, yeah, I have like goosebumps and I'm like smiling at the story of you taking it back off the shelf and, and actually writing it and God giving you the titles and the chat, all of that. Like, it's just like, it makes me so happy. That's like, it's a beautiful, inspiring story to anyone that I'm sure can, can feel exactly what you've felt. Cause I mean, I feel like that's such a, um, a story that you hear from people in lives and it's, and everyone's story is different when they feel like it came out from underneath them and, you know, where was their faith when they needed it? All of that. Like that's, that just seems like such a, a relatable story. Um, Mm -hmm. just, just different scenarios, you know? So I'm so glad that you are taking, um, time to put this on paper and share it with others. Cause I just think you have a lot to share that could really touch other people's hearts. So Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, well, and in the meantime, you know, I feel like a lot of my book, um, I will come out of my blog. I had, I had the chance to meet an author a few years ago who I've admired for like 20 years. She's a speaker author. And I got to ask her, this was really before God had given me that dream of writing a book, but I just asked her like, how in the world do you just sit down and write a book? I mean, and she actually shared with me that God will lead her to go pick up old journals, look at old blogs, and he'll, he will show her how the stories all go together, you know? So it's not that she's sitting down to write a book and writing out content for the first time, but he's taking her through, back through where he's already been with her. And she's putting that all together. And when she said that, it was like something in my mind just clicked. This blog that has seemed so inconsistent and all over the place it's where God's allowed me to share my story. And so I know a lot of the blog is part of the story of the book. Um, and so the blog can be found at jennyspuler.com. And um, Spuler is a weird name, but it's S as in Sam. P is in Peter, U-L-E-R, Jenny with an I, jennyspuler.com. And so that's just where I've shared my story off and on that 10 years, actually. I, I started the blog in the midst of that crisis. Um, of course, I didn't really know my faith was in crisis yet. So it, you can kind of see a little bit of the journey there. Well, I, I will definitely, first of all, put that in like the show notes of the podcast to find that jennyspuler.com. Okay. okay. So in that, just to, to clarify, you spelled it, but J-E-N-N-I-S-P-U-L-E-R.com. Yes. Um, and I would love to hear more story about that author too. That's such a powerful testimony to... I feel like, you know, we all talk about God speaking to us and pushing us and, and um, nudging us. And, um, you know, I always make a big joke about my journals all over. Like I have notebooks yeah. all over the place that I write. And, mm-hmm. and so I think that's such, I love that 
that's what pushed her and that you've been following her and that you got to talk to her. So yeah. I feel like that could be a whole nother conversation for another time. Yeah, for sure. And what about, um, and I know this is um, a future thing for you, but I feel like um, just so all of us can keep up with you and the story. Um, is there anywhere social media that you mostly are that we could follow you just to keep up? Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm on Instagram and that's, um, Jenny Spuler and on Facebook. Um, I think I'm on TikTok, but that would not be one of <laughs> I mean, that's just dances with my 17 year old son. So yeah. nothing really like deep or encouraging exists right. here for me, but, um, and I, and yeah, that's really it. Probably Instagram. And like anybody else, it's, it's really just sort of the story of my life shown through my kids activities, but it is where I share inspiration too. Just when I feel like God's speaking something to me that just feel could encourage somebody else. Well, I'll tell you, it encourages me and I'm not even really a good regular social media person, but I love when um, yours pops up because I, I feel like I've filtered mine over the years to be sure that what pops up or what I have is all encouragement because there's just so much in the world that I just want, if I'm going to put something in my head or my mind or in my time of my day, I want it to be encouraging. And so I love when yours pops up because you are very encouraging. Well, thank you. So I have taken lots of your time and I've loved every minute of it, Jenny. I really, really appreciate you sharing your heart and um, just taking time to, to share your story today with us and the listeners. I know that someone will be encouraged from it. Well, thank you, Kelly, for the invitation. And it's just been a gift to get to talk to you so much. I've just absolutely loved every second. I know. I think it was so wonderful when I first thought of you because I just, I, I just know that moms are out there that maybe the rest of us don't know that have, you know, stories to share. And I, you know, selfishly thought I'd love to catch up with Jenny. (laughs) Well, and you know, let me just say this kind of as a last thought you just said about moms out there. Um, you know, Kelly, we, we've always, you and I, we've always talked a lot about my mom just because, um, the season we were in together when I lost my mom, but just the incredible person she was and something that she taught me, she was a therapist. And so she just always had something to teach, you know, something productive she wanted us Mm -hmm. to grab a hold of. And, and one of the things that was just like, from my earliest memory, I remember believing this, but she would teach us every single person has a story, you know? Um, and so deeply in my entire adult life, I don't even realize I'm doing it, but I'm wanting to lean in and learn a person's story. So it, you know, just because someone has a microphone, just because somebody has a podcast, just because somebody has maybe a voice doesn't mean their story is more important or more valuable because every single person's experiences matter. And I think sometimes for moms, especially moms, I think, who are staying home or homeschooling and just don't feel seen, don't feel, um, there's not a way they feel celebrated maybe because there's not outside work where they're being celebrated. Um, they can begin to feel like their story is insignificant and their story doesn't matter. And I mean, I just believe with all of my heart that our value to our creator um, is just unparalleled. Like each of us was designed and created with such love and such passion. And he pursues us, you know, through this life. And so it doesn't matter where you are or what we perceive as value in a story in this human journey, but every single story matters. 
every single one. And so I think that's what's so beautiful about your podcast and you taking the time to talk with friends and professionals or whoever it is, is that you're bringing value in celebrating a person's story. And that just prayerfully translates to the listener that their story also matters. I couldn't have said that better myself, Jenny. And I feel that that that's exactly what I'm intending when I go out to when I started thinking, I just want to find people out there that maybe their voice isn't like being heard. Exactly. Like yes. you just described it. So, so thank you for that. Of course. That, was, that just, that was exactly the perfect way to end this. And, and that really does matter so much because you're right, especially in these days, how many people out there feel that way. And yeah. I feel like it just, um, like you just want to tell them how much they matter. Every single one of them. Yeah. And moms, I know, can feel that way for sure. Regardless, yeah. I know it. We've all felt that way at some point, probably, but some more than others. So thank you, Jenny. Thank you. You're welcome. Love you, Kelly. You too, Jenny. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. I appreciate you sharing this time with me today. I am grateful you are here. And if you have anyone that you feel could also benefit from this encouragement, please share it with them today. You can also add a quick review on iTunes, which would mean the world to me and help me just to make this better for each and every one of you out there. I will be here each week, so please be sure to subscribe to the podcast or join me at kellyrenato.com to get the latest episode and more tools to help you on your journey to feel your best and enjoy every single day exactly where you are. I would love to have you join my journey and let's all add good, healthy vibes anywhere we can every single day. Enjoy your week and embrace the season you're in. And I look forward to next week. Take care. Bye-bye.